And uh, uh, please help me welcome our speaker this morning. He's a lover of Jesus, uh, you know, and he's absolutely wonderful, if I don't say so myself. So give him a hand as he comes up. Yeah, thank you, guys. Oh, shoot, yes. <laughs> I'm just passing. I'm just, it's me, surprise. <laughs> Uh, everyone's on holidays, and I, you're, so you're stuck with me. But before I get rolling, <laughs> before I get rolling my message, uh, let you guys know the offices are closed tomorrow for the long weekend. Uh, so if you have a problem, take it to Jesus. He's a really good comforter. He's a great counselor. He's he's got a breaker anointing on him. You know, he's he'll supply all your needs according to glory and riches in heaven. So you, you could email us, you could call us, but we won't reply to you immediately. Uh, you know, it'd be a good test of patience for you. But anyways, um, so uh, you might need to be a little patient with me. I'm uh, uh, operating on a, on a severe lack of sleep, but that's okay. Jesus shines through better. I just got back from Sydney uh, last, actually this morning. Uh, I was ministering there Friday and Saturday, and my flight just got delayed. Um, yeah, but uh, Sydney, Manitoba. <laughs> not, not Australia. <laughs> just, I just thought I should clarify that one for you. I was just in Sydney, Manitoba. You know, when that invite first came in, I was like, Sydney? Yeah, I'll go to Oh, uh, Manitoba. And I'm like, ah, that's okay, too. You know, and uh, <laughs> it's one thing I love, you know, it's actually a really prophetic trip for me uh, um, to go there several years ago. About nine years ago, I had this called out by this, this uh, really well-known prophet who lives in the U.S. He called me out. He's in Red Deer. Calls away, starts prophesying to me. He says, God's going to bring you into Saskatchewan to leave a deposit, but also deposit be put in you. And then he's going to take you into Manitoba. And then he prophesies this huge thing about Manitoba uh, for my, myself personally. And so up until that point, I had never been to Saskatchewan to minister or to Manitoba. So I started praying. And then God opens doors that year. I think five or six meetings I did in Saskatchewan within that following year. So I'm like, praise God, I'll bring on Manitoba. Uh, nine years later, nine years it took for that prophetic word to actually start seeing legs. Uh, you know, I got my first, not my first invite, but my first invite that actually resulted in something. I think I had five false starts into that prophetic word that I got invites that ended up canceling and, and nothing came out of them. So just to encourage you guys, sometimes the prophetic is not tomorrow. Sometimes it's not tomorrow. Sometimes it takes time for it to develop, to percolate. And usually why it takes time is because God is trying to prepare your heart for what you need to receive for that prophetic word to be fulfilled. Amen. Isn't that great? Right? So it took nine years for God to prepare my heart to go to Manitoba. <laughs> it was great. You know, and then... Uh, you know, and flying back, my flight got, uh, got slightly delayed, and then my bags took me 45 minutes to get my bags out of the carousel. It was, oh, it was absolutely ridiculous. Uh, you know, and then uh, and, huh, I'd actually, I got to bed, I think, last night around a quarter to one in the morning, but I didn't actually fall asleep until closer to 4.30. So I got a whole whack of sleep. And I, I blamed my barista. I was at Starbucks at the airport in Winnipeg, and I started telling her about Jesus, and she did not receive the message very well. And I ordered a decaf. No, that's not what I got. I'm convinced that's not what I got. You know, this is what Paul calls a light afflictions. You know? <laughs> uh, but anyways. 
So uh, before I really uh, uh, get into my message, there's something prophetically that God was showing me. I had this encounter with the Lord over the weekend where the Lord started speaking to me about Amos uh, uh, chapter 3 where it says, uh, A lion has roared, who can help but fear? The Lord has spoken, who can but prophesy? Right, so I, was like, and so I started asking the Lord, okay, God, like, it started resonating on inside of me, this roar on the inside of me. I said, God, what is this roar? And he says, this is the roar I have for this generation. And he says, the devil is doing the same thing he did back in the 60s as he's doing today. He says, that I'm going to do the same thing I did back then, and I'm going to do it again today. But it'll be a look different. You know, so if you're not familiar with the move of God and, and, and also just the uh, counterculture, that was happening in the 60s. You had the whole hippie movement and that whole thing. You know, and what was the message that they toted? Free love. Was it free love? Not at all. Right? They had the same message of acceptance and peace. But was it actual peace? No. Right? It was peace as long as you agree with what we believe. And what are we seeing again today? Tolerance and love is love. Once again, a distorted version of love and tolerance and peace. Right? We'll tolerate you as long as you agree with us. We'll love you as long as you love us. As long as you, you fall in line with what we believe, you will accept you and it'll be okay. But if you rock the boat, then we'll hate you, we'll spew garbage at you, we'll just you know, launch all these horrible things at you. And, and the same thing that happened back in the 60s, the devil got a trick played on him by the Lord because the Lord took that and flipped it around for good. He healed the message of love and gave a proper definition of peace. Amen. And then a whole generation rises up, and they made a movie about it called The Jesus Revolution. Right? Anyone yeah. see it? A few of you? Yeah, it was an absolutely amazing movie. It stirred me up so much, I had to stand up and preach in the theater afterwards. You know, it literally. You know, I stood up in the theater, and I started preaching, and I think I witnessed to all the staff on the way out. <laughs> and I just couldn't help myself. I'm like, shut up. Oh, Jesus. You know, like, do it again, Lord. And so the devil's drew the same thing again in this generation. But now he's just stepped it up a notch where he's involving the government and teachers. So that tells me one thing. God's also going to step it up a notch. Come on. God always has the ace up his sleeve. I don't care what the devil does. God always, always, always has the last word. I've read the end of the book. I've read the end of the book. We win. And aren't you happy that God's not sitting in heaven going, Joel, oh, geez, I never saw this one coming. <laughs> Sometimes the way that we have faith, you know, with the way we worry, I think we, we don't understand that, you know, God's, you know, the author and the finisher of faith, the alpha and the omega. He's not the author and oops. He's not the author and, oh, shoot, I didn't see that one coming. Oh, darn, I got ADHD and I can't finish my project. <laughs> Come on. God's going to do something. And I would say this. You know, we, oftentimes we hear of the coming revival. I'll suggest this. It's already, the beginnings of it is here. It, this is the season of harvest. We're seeing people getting saved, left, right, and center. It's absolutely amazing. Just two weeks ago, we ended up baptizing eight people uh, uh, out of this church. And all of them uh, were either just people who recommitted themselves to the Lord or freshly got saved. There's one young individual who was, he was here in the first service, been coming faithfully, you know, and uh, uh, he shares the story openly. And he comes to the church on his own accord about a month and a half ago. He comes and he talks to Marby at the front desk. He says, hey, um, is there someone I could talk to? And she goes, oh, here, talk to Pastor John. You know, so I bring him to my office. And he goes, he shares the story. And he says, I recently lost my father. And I tried connecting with him through meditation. 
No, immediately my spiritual religious side of me goes, mm, 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 right? He says, but then he says, I encountered my dad. I felt like a warm hug come over me and I felt so loved and accepted. He starts bawling and crying. My religious side wants to correct him. My compassionate side says, how was that for you? How was that for you? You know, and I asked him, I says, have you ever felt that love from your earthly father before when he was alive? He said, no, never. I said, then I would suggest to you that it is possible that maybe it's your heavenly father that embraced you. And he starts crying even more. Long story short, he gives his life to Jesus. He ended up getting healed of a few different conditions. He gets baptized two weeks ago. Come on. And now he's involved in outreach. Come on. I'm telling you, people are just, like, people are just getting saved. They're coming off the streets to the church. That's not the only one. There's a few of them like that. It's, it's absolutely amazing what God is doing. You know, the, the, the fish are just jumping into the boat. So good. So good. But the key is you're still in the boat. Amen. Come on now. Come on. You still got to get out there into the boat. But anyways, I'm getting ahead, way ahead of myself here. So in this, uh, this whole process where I believe, I truly believe that the season of revival, the season of harvest is here. We're seeing the beginnings of it. And that we got to get ourselves, our hearts in line with what God is doing in order to catch the wave of revival that's on its, on its, on its way. Right? When a surfer has to paddle ahead of the wave before they, so they can catch the wave. You know, and, and now over this weekend I was praying and the Lord told me, he says, I want to teach on faith. Uh, here at Southside. I was like, God, that's so uh, elementary and, and, and so foundational. He says, exactly. He says, sometimes we have to revisit the foundations so we can establish a proper structure on what I want to build. Yeah. Right, so, and I have this, this I, ha I have maybe a different version, not a different version, maybe a different approach to faith that some people uh, uh, may not necessarily have or understand, but we'll, we'll get into it. But well, first we just got to lay a, a foundation as to what faith actually is. Because sometimes we, we come, we, I find as believers in a charismatic world, sometimes we get these cliche things, right? We get these, these buzzwords going, oh, I'm standing in faith, brother. It's like, well, what does that actually mean? And when you ask someone, you're like, oh, well, I, I'm believing God. How? Like, what does that actually mean to you? Like, well, like to, to break it down, define it a little bit for me. Or, you know, or, or I'm believing God just for the, for the glory to manifest itself. Well, how is it going to manifest itself? Well, through worship. Okay, well, we, we, we've been worshiping for forever. You know, has the glory cloud showed up? Like, well, if we just worship a little harder. Well, yes and no. But anyways, right, so, so faith, oh, Hebrews 11.1, 1, it says, Now faith is the evidence of things hoped for, the substance of things not seen. Right? So, you, we read that, and if you've been in the church long enough, you could probably quote that verse better than I can. You know, but, then, but the Greek word, which sounds a little bit stuffy when you go into the definition for faith, is to, is to yield or trust or have confidence in or conviction of a religious truth. I mean, that sounds so stuffy, doesn't it? That doesn't sound like some life-giving, I got faith in Jesus. I mean, it sounds stuffy. So if you really break it down in Hebrews 11, where it says, now faith is the evidence of things hoped for, the substance of things not seen. So there's, there's uh, three uh, real main attributes to our faith as defined in Hebrews 11.1. 1. First one is hope, then there's a substance, then there's evidence. So let's break those down a little bit more to get a better understanding of what faith actually is. So hope, the best definition of hope I could find is this. The joyous expectation of what God's going to do. 
Oh, come on. Isn't that good? The joyous expectation of what God's going to do. Come on. Did you know that you cannot be an unhappy Christian? You can't. There's no such thing as an unhappy Christian. It doesn't exist. If you're an unhappy Christian, then you need to get saved. Come on. Right? It says that the kingdom of God is what? Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Are you a part of the kingdom or not? If you don't have joy, you're missing out on one-third of the kingdom. Come on now. You're missing out on one-third of the kingdom. Right? The second fruit of the Spirit is what? Joy. Come on. Galatians chapter 5 talks about the fruit of the Spirit. Joy. The evidence that you are in unison with Holy Spirit. First one is love. Second one is joy. Then long-suffering, patient, meekness, kindness. You know, it goes on. And I'm telling you, when your flights are delayed, you, you, you have a good opportunity to practice that patience. <laughs> but, anyways. So we have this, this hope. You know, that's hope is a joyous expectation of what God is going to do. So, hope, so faith is actually a happy thing. We're standing in faith is actually should be a joyous thing. You know, in Zechariah chapter 9, verses 11, uh, 10 and 11, he prophesies this. He says, because of the blood of your covenant, come out of the waterless pit and into the prison, and I'll establish you as prisoners of hope. Oh, isn't that good? And I've been in prison before for two different things, for righteous acts and unrighteous acts. Two separate lives, right? <laughs> I'm telling you, when you're in prison, you can't go anywhere. You're not going, unless you're some kind of Houdini escape artist, you're not, you're not going anywhere. Now, I don't know about you, but I'd rather be imprisoned by hope than within a waterless pit. Right? No fun. Waterless pits are no fun. Right? But imprisoned by hope, which means this, you're trapped by the joyous expectation of what God's going to do. You can't escape the joy. You can't escape the expectation. So as Christians, we should be the happiest people on earth because Jesus was. Isaiah prophesies, and he says that Jesus had the oil of gladness above all his companions. Oh, isn't that good? He was the happiest man who ever walked on the earth. Isn't that great? Joy is beyond emotion. It's a fruit. Come on. Speaking of fruit, I'm wearing my fruit of the spirit socks today. Just try to be prophetic with my, my clothing, you know. I'm wearing those because I had to really exercise some patience at the airport. Waited 45 minutes for my luggage, my goodness. See, I saw this opportunity for two things. For me to exercise patience and also to preach Jesus. So both of them, like, it's a win-win either which way, you know. But anyways, so we have to have this, this, this hope, this expect, this joy. You can't actually have faith without having joy. Because if hope is an integral, central part of faith, without that joy, without that expectation, without becoming a prisoner of hope, you can't actually operate in faith. Oh, man. Right? It says it's a substance. It's a substance. It's something that you can put something on. This pulpit has substance. I can put my water bottle on it. And one day by faith, God will turn this into wine in Jesus' name. But there's substance... <laughs> There's substance here. You can stand on it. So your faith has to have a substance where you can base your life off of. You can stand on it and say, no, there is a substance here that is unshakable because I got a joy. I got a hope. I got an expectation. I will stand on this and I will not be moved. And then there's an evidence. There's an evidence. Faith has to have an evidence. 
Is there an evidence in your life? When people look at you, is there an evidence that you're filled with Christ? Is there an evidence that you're standing in faith? Is there an evidence that you're a believer? See, evidence is a proof in which a thing is proven or tested. Ooh. Sometimes the Lord tests our faith. He'll bring situations our way on purpose to see how we'll react. And I'm not saying God brings us sickness or disease or anything hard, but I'm saying sometimes God will bring things. Paul says in Romans chapter 5, he says, I glory in tribulation. And <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> 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 you know, I don't know, you know, I remember when I first got saved, I read that verse, I took a sharpie and went, <laughs> 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 then I found out you're not allowed to do that. So I threw that Bible away and I had a lot of black marks in it. <laughs> Where he says, I glory in tribulation, knowing tribulation produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character, hope. And a hope will not disappoint because of the love of Holy Spirit poured in our hearts. Oh, it's not good. That love is poured in our hearts. So God will sometimes allow something to come our way in order to test our faith. Look at Abraham. God tested his faith by telling him to sacrifice Isaac. Sometimes God will tell you, sacrifice your prophetic destiny. Sacrifice that dream. Put it on the altar. Right? And uh, anyways, it's a whole different message on one itself. Right? So we have to have this joyous expectation, this hope that we can stand upon in a proof and an evidence that God is good, that we believe in the full measure of what Jesus has done on the inside of us. Christ in us, the hope of glory. The Hebrews 11.6 even goes on, Paul, or the writer of Hebrews, you know, makes this, uh, this, this dramatic statement. He says, without faith, in other words, Without the joy second, okay, so here's, let me backtrack here a little bit. So knowing how we redefined faith with hope, substance, and evidence, and knowing what the definition of, the Greek definition of faith, I have a, a definition of faith that I want to submit to you that maybe will help bring clarity, is that faith is a foundational conviction that our joyful expectations can rest on and the proof of what has been tested. So let me say that one more time. Faith is a foundational conviction that our joyous expectations can rest on and the proof of what has been tested. You know, and so having that as a definition, you know, the writer in Hebrews 11.6, you know, he says that without faith, in other words, without the foundation of conviction that our joyous expectations can rest on the proof of what has been tested, he says we cannot please God. Oh, isn't that crazy? That God says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. And then I love the verse, the following statement in that same verse. He says, we must, everyone say must. We must. We don't have a choice in the matter. We must believe he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek after him. Oh, isn't that good? So we have to have, I mean, if that doesn't make you happy, I don't know what will. You must believe that God wants to give you good things. He's going to reward you if you diligently seek after him. Yeah. Come on, that's so good. God's not just a mean old man with a lightning bolt and a big old beard. Well, he does have lightning bolts. He, he, he might have. Jesus had a beard, so maybe the Father has a beard too. You know, but, but he's not mean. You know, his, his lightning bolts are for good, right? And Malachi prophesies, it says, you know, out of his hand flow flashes of light, and there with his power was hidden. God's lightning bolt is not for our punishment. It's for our blessing. Yeah. Come on. So, God, we have to believe that he actually wants to give us good things, that he actually wants to multiply uh, uh, things in our lives. You know, and, and when it says that it's impossible, it literally means impossible. 
It means it's impotent. It means without strength. It literally means it cannot produce anything. So your walk with the Lord is hinged upon two things. You must have faith and you must believe that he wants to reward you. Without that, you can't even please Jesus. It's not your works. It's not your efforts. It's not your preaching. It's not your praying. It's the faith as the foundation of it all that God says, this is now approved by me. You can preach till you're blue in the face, but if you don't have faith and you don't believe that God wants to reward you, you got nothing. You got no rewards. God says, this nah, doesn't even please me. This is not bringing joy to my heart. In fact, in Romans, uh, turn there with me to Romans chapter 14, and verse 23. Romans 14, verse 23. While you guys turn there, I'm going to stand in faith for my water bottle. Not yet. Been trying for years now. I remember when I was younger, a little younger, when I first got into itinerant ministry, I, got, I, was, I had a lot of, I would call, humanistic boldness. If I could put it that way, it's just humanistic boldness. And I remember I was going to this water fountain in this park, it was in Abbotsford, B.C., and uh, there's this water fountain, and I, I stand up on the edge of the fountain, and, you know, there's a pool of water, and I scream, and I say... Attention, everyone. Jesus is real and he loves you. And because he loves you, he's going to give you a sign and a wonder. I'm going to walk on water to prove to you that God is real. <laughs> yeah, I didn't walk on water. <laughs> I think God was looking at me and going, mm-hmm. There was not a whole lot of faith in that act right there. Anyways, but Romans chapter 14 and verse 23. So, but he who doubts is condemned if he eats because he does not eat from faith. For whatever is not from faith is sin. Whew. Man, the weight and the importance of faith. The weight and the importance of faith. Jesus even said, like Paul says, you know, if you just simply ate a steak outside of faith, you're sinning. <laughs> I, mean, that's, I mean, that just, <laughs> Lord forgive me. I mean, there's some steaks I've eaten over, as you travel overseas. There's some food I've, I've eaten. I have no choice but to eat it in faith. You know, <laughs> otherwise I, I may not make it out. <laughs> but whatever we do, if it's outside of faith, it's sin. So we have to have that joyous expectation, that foundation that our joyous expectation can rest upon. Where it has to be tested, it has to be proven, it has to have this thing so solidified on the inside of us if we actually want to have anything pleasing before the Lord. Otherwise, everything that we build for what we think is the kingdom of God is not for the kingdom of God, it's actually for ourselves, and God goes, that would all be burned up. All of it, pff, nothing. Just a flame on judgment day. Oh, it's, that's a terrifying thought, isn't it? We have to do it in faith. But see, now here's a beautiful thing. Faith has nothing to do with you and I. <laughs> Come on now. Some of you are looking at me like, where are you going with this preacher? I'm about to walk out this room. No, no, hear me out here. Faith has nothing to do with you and I. It has everything to do with Jesus. Did you know you and I, we cannot create faith within ourselves. It is impossible because I am a flesh, I, in the flesh, I cannot create spiritual things. My flesh cannot create spiritual things. I could uh, align my flesh with spiritual principles, but I cannot create spiritual things. Flesh can only create more flesh. 
Fleshly thoughts can only create more fleshly thoughts. Carnal desires can only create more carnal desires. Right? But my spirit, which has been redeemed by the Lord, Galatians 2.20, Jesus, Paul says this, No longer I who lives, but it is Christ in me. Come on. It's no longer I who lives, but it's Christ in me. Right? So the question is, where does faith come from? It says in Hebrews 12, it says, looking on to Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Come on, Jesus is the author and the finisher of our faith. I don't see my name in there. I don't see that Jesus says, yeah, you have a chapter to write. No, I cannot create faith. I can't, I can't build myself up in, in, in faith within my own natural carnal means. I can in Jude 23. It says to pray in the spirit to build yourself up in the most holy faith. But there's the key. Pray in the Spirit. So the spirit is doing it. My flesh is only coming into submission to a spiritual truth. So it's a spirit actually doing it and building it on the inside of me. I myself cannot create faith. In Romans 12, 12 verse 3, turn there with me. Romans 12 verse 3. Give me an amen when you're there. Now it's amazing what happens when we we allow ourselves to come back to the simplicity of the truth of the gospel. Sometimes we, we, be, we think that we have to muster it all, that we got to work it, or we got to do something. No, no, no. It's Jesus. The true walk is a submission to Jesus. It's allowing our flesh to be crucified. You know, Romans chapter 6, it's, you know, it's like we're buried into, we're baptized into his burial and are raised together into his resurrection. It's not us. Why do we think we're doing it? Come on. Why do we think we're doing it? Oh, it's like, oh, here comes the man of faith. Now, listen, we're not, you're not that good. <laughs> you know, sometimes you know, I hear these preachers, you know, I'll compliment friends of mine. I'm traveling on the road, preaching conferences. Like, oh, man, dude, that was such a good message. Oh, it wasn't me, brother. It was Jesus. Listen, it's not that good. That message was not that good. <laughs> you know, <laughs> anyways. Are you guys there at Romans chapter 12? It says, For I say, though, through the grace given to me, to everyone who is coming among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, as God has dealt each one a measure of faith. God is the one who brings the faith. He's the one who's given you that faith. You did not create faith within yourself. Come on. You did not, you cannot create faith within yourself. When you hear the gospel, Romans chapter 10, 17, faith comes by what? Hearing and hearing by the word of God. That whole context of Romans 10 has everything to do with the salvation gospel being preached and people hearing it and faith being developed on the inside of them because they heard the gospel being preached. How many of context is important? We've got to read the Bible within context. How many realize that the Bible was not written by chapter and verse? When Paul wrote his epistles, he didn't write them chapter and verse. When they were read by the churches, they were read as one continuous thing, right? So, yeah, have you guys ever played Bible roulette? You know what I'm talking about? When you close the Bible and you rip it open, and you're like, God, give me a word, right? Then you read, you know, you go and look at it, and Judas hung himself. <laughs> how many of you know that is never the word of the Lord for you? I don't care how bad it is, that is not the word of Jesus for you, Okay? That is not prophetic. That's pathetic. I'm too prophetic to be pathetic. So, so you close the Bible. You're like, okay, that was just a fluke. 
and you rip it open again. You put your finger down. Go and do thou likewise. <laughs> ah, devil, get your hands off my Bible. Right, that's never the word of the Lord for you. Chop your out of mouth of two or three witnesses. No, seriously, context is everything. That will never be the word of the Lord for you. Never in a million years will that ever be the word of the Lord for you, unless he's trying to say something completely different, like hanging a picture of Judas. <laughs> Which I don't know why you'd want a picture of Judas in your house, unless it's a reminder of what not to do. <laughs> so context is everything. Oh, I wonder about myself sometimes. Oh. In Romans 10, 8, you know, it says, what does it say? That the word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. So the word of faith. Who's the word? John 1, 14 says the, the word became flesh, which is Jesus. So how you submit this? So Jesus is the one when we preach the gospel, when we preach the good news, Jesus comes and he deposits a measure of faith in someone that enables them to believe. And when they actually choose to submit themselves to that faith, to that spiritual thing that got deposited on the inside of them, and all of a sudden it begins to unlock something on the inside of you where it enables you to live a faith life in Jesus, a faith life of submission to Jesus, where Jesus himself is the word, the word is faith, therefore Jesus himself is our faith. Jesus himself is our faith. He's the author and the finisher of our faith. He deposits his faith on the inside of us. We read in, in Galatians chapter 3, Galatians chapter 3 and verse 22. Galatians 3, 22. It says, but the scriptures has been confined all, under, confined all under sin, that the promise by faith in Jesus might be given to those who believe. But before faith came, that's important, before faith came, we were kept under guard by the law, kept for the faith which would afterwards be revealed. Therefore, the law was our tutor to bring us to Christ, that we might be justified by faith. But after faith has come, we're no longer under a tutor. Some verses will say this, by the faith of Christ. So faith comes. What came? So the word came. The word of faith came. Faith came. Jesus came. When Jesus came, we were no longer under a law, right? 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 We're no longer under the law. We're no longer under the old covenant, Right? The law doesn't apply to the believer. We're under the new covenant now. Jesus says, you know, the, the law is still in effect. However, we are part of a greater covenant now that speaks better things to us. You know, Moses said, uh, Paul said that that ministry of Moses was a death of death and of condemnation. But we now have a new covenant that speaks greater and better things. So Jesus comes. You know, he says, when faith comes, we will no longer be under the law. Yes. However, what brought us outside from under being under the law? Jesus. Come on, church. So Jesus, when faith comes, when Jesus came, he, he's the one who enables us to have faith. He's the one who deposits himself on inside of us. You know, in Jude 23, once again, it says to build yourself up in the most holy faith by praying in the Spirit. What are you doing when you're praying in the Spirit, when you're praying in tongues? You're releasing. Paul says we're releasing. We're speaking mysteries. 
We're speaking the mysteries of heaven. We are unlocking the mysteries of heaven. Colossians 1.27 says this. says that the mystery, the mystery of the gospel is this. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Amen. Come on. So as you begin, so I would submit to you, as you begin to pray in the Spirit, you're building yourself up in the most holy faith. What you're actually doing is putting your flesh under submission to Jesus, where you enter into Galatians 2.20, where it's no longer I who lives, but it's Christ in me who lives. We pray in the Spirit. We submit the flesh. We submit the soul to Christ in you, the hope of glory. And he is allowed to shine forth out from us, enacting faith that he's deposited within us. Come on. It's not something that we just sit there and just muster up some little bit more faith. I need more. No, faith is not a fleshly thing. It is a spiritual thing that you cannot increase. Of your own means, you cannot increase faith. We are solely dependent upon Jesus to deposit the faith and to live through that faith because it's faith in Jesus. In John 15, Jesus says, you will, I will live in you and you will live in me. That's such an amazing concept, isn't it? Yes. Try explaining that to someone. <laughs> so think, just picture this for a second. Take a box, right? You take a, a smaller box. Now, Jesus is the bigger box. We're the smaller box. And said, so we'll live in Jesus. You see, you will be in me. Box, another box. And then Jesus twists it around and says, and I will be in you. So how do you put the box inside the box and all the bigger box to go inside the smaller box that's already inside the box? Right. So essentially what Jesus is saying is that we're going to get so intertwined together that you will not be able to distinguish between me and you. Oh, come on. Once again, coming right back down to Galatians 2.20, no longer I who lives, but Christ in me. Oh, it's so good. Once again, Colossians 1.27 is the mystery of the gospel. Is this is Christ in you, the hope of glory. What's hope? The joyous expectation of what God's going to do. So you can reread that verse. You know, it's, a, it's, a, it's the mystery of the gospel. It's Christ in you, the joyous expectation of the manifestation of the glory of God in your life. Oh, that's so good. So it's not something that we muster up. It's not something that we can just sit there and pull out of ourselves. No, it is Jesus in us. So when we, if we come to a realization that in order for us to grow in our faith, it simply comes down to this, a submission to the word of God. All the thing i got to do is read this and do it and believe what it says. I can answer that for you if you'd like. I remember I was preaching not far, you know, a few years ago, and then this phone started ringing. I answered the phone. I started prophesying to the person. The person I was like, hello? And I, as I answered, and they're like, who's this? I'm like, it's the preacher. They're like, what the bleep, 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 and then he gives his life to Jesus over the phone. It was great. Now, don't go texting your friends, hey, call me right now. <laughs> oh. Galatians chapter 5 and verse 6. Galatians 5 and verse 6 says, For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything, but faith works through love. So 
When the Bible refers to circumcision and uncircumcision, he's referring to the works of the flesh. So what Paul's actually saying, in, in today's modern vernacular, you say this, your works do nothing for your faith. I'll answer that phone if I catch it. <laughs> right, it says, your works will do nothing for your faith, but the love will do something for it. It says, a faith works through love. For, what does First John say about God? It says, God is love. So your faith can only work through Christ Jesus in you. It can only work through that love that he's deposited on the inside of you, which is Jesus himself. Come on. So it takes all the pressure off of us that I have to muster up. I mean, I remember when I first got saved, I was so, my biggest stress in life was, do I have enough faith? <laughs> it's like an oxymoron. Right? That was my biggest stress. It was, like, it was always the, well, brother, do you have faith? Do you have faith for this? Yes, sir, I got faith for it. I'm standing in faith. It was all, it was all just faith. You know? But when you realize it's just, I need to submit myself to Jesus. Hebrews chapter 4 it says, working to enter into the rest. If I could rest myself into the presence of God, if I could allow my cares to be cast before the Lord, if I could allow all the stress, the cares of the worry of the world to be pushed aside, if I could find my merit and my worth and who I am in Jesus, not what I do for Jesus, come on. All of a sudden, faith begins to activate. Love begins to take hold. And all of a sudden, that faith just starts activating. Because every time now, when you have that faith-activated love, every time you get an unexpected bill in the mail, and you go, oh, geez, instead of stressing out about it, you go, great, here's a good opportunity for breakthrough. Come on. When I see people walking around with, like, medical apparatuses, crutches, wheelchairs, whatever else, there's a part of me that gets, there's a side of me gets compassionate and another side of me gets excited because I see it as a, here's an opportunity for someone to understand the goodness of Jesus. Here's an opportunity for someone to understand the goodness and the power of Jesus. Here's an opportunity for God to be magnified. Come on. Right, when we allow faith to work through love, it is true kingdom faith that God loves. It's true kingdom faith that God says, yes, this I will bless. This is the faith that I'm looking for. This is the faith that I'm going to use. And out of that place, all of a sudden, your works now have merit before the kingdom of God. Now, James says this is faith without works is dead. Works does not produce the faith. Faith should produce the works. Come on. Out of that place of that joyous expectation, that conviction of what God told us to do, there should be this faith, there should be this love coming out of us. And all of a sudden you, you stand and go, I will do what I was told to do, which the first two commandments is to number one, love your God with everything inside of you. And number two is to love your neighbor as you love yourself. If we have an inability to love, then we don't have faith. Or not operating in faith. Because faith works through Love. And Paul says, he'll say, if you do anything, if you just eat a steak outside of faith, then you're in sin. So I'll even say this, if you're not operating under love, because faith works through love, so if you're not operating in love, you're operating in sin. Come on. Oh, that went over well. If you're not operating in love, where's PC when you need them? But see, it's almost impossible to have that kind of faith 
unless we believe that God wants to reward us if we diligently seek after him. It's virtually impossible to have that kind of faith unless we know the character and nature of who Jesus is. Otherwise, we enter into works. But we understand the loving nature of Jesus where he says, I love you with unconditional love. Where the Bible says, you were my enemy, yet I died for you. Ooh, that's powerful. It says, you were my enemy, and I died for you. You know, the second part of Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, where it says, looking onto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, he says, he, des- he despised the shame of the cross, but he endured it for the joy set before him. What was that joy? You. Oh, that's so good. You are the joy of heaven. You are the joy of heaven. You are the pride of joy, joy, joy of heaven. When we begin to understand the Father's nature and his character towards us, faith becomes so easy. When that unexpected bill comes in the mail or that speeding ticket comes in the mail. <laughs> I, I tried that spray stuff on your license plate. It's supposed to distort. The, it doesn't work. <laughs> I'm going to tell you how I found out. <laughs> I'm sure you can put two and two together. Oh, it's time for confessions with Pastor John. <laughs> well, we operate in that love. We understand the nature of Jesus. You know, a couple of last verses here. I want to do some activation here this morning with you guys. This morning, the first service, uh, we ended up praying for on mass uh, for miracles, and we saw a bunch of people getting healed. It was great. We saw people with scoliosis saying the back pain completely left, increased mobility, some neck pain issues. Someone had, uh, had torn something in her knee and ended up getting healed. It was just absolutely wonderful. And I believe God wants to do some more miracles uh, in the afternoon, the second service here. Uh, Romans 5 in verse 1 says, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's take a quick pause right there. Think about that for a second. Through Jesus, through the faith in Jesus, we have peace with God. Isn't that powerful? You know that word peace? It means there's no animosity between the two parties. It means you have perfect tranquility together. Isn't that good? Perfect. Yeah, right now, as you sit, you have perfect tranquility with the Father if you're in faith. Oh, isn't that fantastic? In verse 2, it says, through whom also we have access by faith into this grace by which we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. But that verse, I could go on for series upon that, those two verses, but we're not going to for the sake of time. That's not funny? Okay. Thanks for the courtesy laugh. I mean... Right, but so we have access by faith into this grace. Now, grace is, is not just unmerited favor, but it's the empowerment to get you where you need to go. See, mercy says you don't get what you deserve, but grace says I'm going to empower you to get to you where you need to go. Right, so we have by this faith, we have access into the heavenly realms. By faith, through Jesus, we have access. Remember in Exodus chapter 33, what does Moses cry out? He said, if I have found faith, Favor in your sight, show me your glory. Now what's grace? Grace is unmerited favor, but it's also the empowerment to get you where you need to go. Right? So if Moses could cry out and have an encounter with God by faith, he says by faith, he cries out, if I found favor in your sight, show me your glory. 
How much more now us who are living under the covenant of life? Moses lived under the covenant of death and condemnation, Paul says. But now we are living under a much better covenant. How much more now do we have access into the glory of God? Come on. How much more simply through Jesus, when we simply allow ourselves to be submitted to Jesus, we allow our flesh, our carnal, uh, carnal mindsets, our soul to align itself with Jesus. That simple tranquility, that simple peace that we have with the Lord. We have now access by faith into this heavenly realm. We have access, Paul says, we have access and we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. So in other words, we stand and rejoice. We have a joyful expectation that we are going to experience the glory of God. I don't believe that has to do when we die. We will experience the glory in the afterlife absolutely 100%. However, if Moses could do it while he was living on, here on the earth under a ministry of death and condemnation, how much more can we living in a new covenant? Come on. And it simply comes down to this, aligning our hearts together with Jesus, where we do away with our carnal thoughts of, I don't deserve it. I can't do it. I got to muster it all up. I got to do it. I got to do it. I, me, 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 me. And we put all the onus on us and we simply say, Lord, I just submit myself to you and I will live a life submitted to you, but I submit myself to King Jesus because he is the author, he is the finisher of my faith and through the access that I have in Jesus through faith, I enter into the glory right now. Come on. Come on. You want to have encounters with the Lord? Get into the glory. It's as easy of just simply aligning your soul, your thought process, aligning your flesh, aligning your spirit with what Jesus has already paid the price for you. It's not difficult. It is not a difficult thing. It is an easy thing to do. We just simply have to line ourselves up and just rest in the presence of Jesus. Because Jesus wants to encounter you more than you want to encounter him. Isn't that good? God wants to encounter you more than you want to encounter him. You know, it says in Luke 12, I believe it is, Jesus says, uh, it says, don't worry, little sheep. Oh, I love that. No, don't worry, little sheep. You know, he says, it's your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Come on. It's your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. It's his good pleasure. He wants to do it. He gets excited to do it. He, he waits for you to just simply line yourself up so he can give it to you. God's not withholding things from you. See, we, go, we don't go through wilderness seasons because God's trying to punish us. He does it because he wants to encounter us. Yes. Moses told Pharaoh seven times, let my people go that they may what? Worship me in the, in the, in the, uh, in the wilderness. The wilderness seasons are always meant to encounter Jesus. They're always meant to encounter Jesus. The question is, will we get our stinking thinking out of the way? Will we actually align ourselves together into the, what Jesus actually has for us? Will we submit ourselves to the process that God has for us? And sometimes it's not, a difficult, not an easy one, and sometimes it seems difficult, but in submission to the Lord, there's always a place of joy. There's always a place of joy. There's always a place of courage. You can become like Joshua and Caleb. Remember them? You know, the spies, the 12 spies go out, and Joshua and Caleb come back, you know, and, and the 10 are saying, we're like grasshoppers in their sight. They're giants. You know, and, and Joshua and Caleb, their reply is, yes, but we will eat them for breakfast. 
That's literally what he says. He says, we will, they will be our bread. So as he's saying, we will eat the giants for our breakfast. They ate manna every day. Manna was bread. They were saying, we're going to feast on those bad boys. We may be like grasshoppers in their sights. They may be giants, but we're going to eat them up. I mean, I always like to imagine he had a little bit of snarl in his voice. A little spit came out. We're going to eat them for breakfast. That's where the drill sergeant's got it from, right? You know? Anyways. So we get that band back up. I want to do something a little bit different this morning. Said, is I want to pray for you guys. Like I said, we, this morning in the first service, we, we, we released faith for miracles. You know, and, and the process of faith is, is an easy process. But it's difficult when we think it's on us to do. But if we just realize it's not us, it's Jesus. Listen, I can't muster something up of myself to cause someone to get healed. But Jesus sure can. Jesus, yes, is operating through me, sure. But in the end, it's still Jesus doing it. I'm just submitting to what God is saying. John 5.19, Jesus said, I only do what I see my Father in heaven doing. That's it. I only do what I see my Father in heaven doing. So there's two things that I want to do this morning that I did in the first service that I feel I need to do them again is one, I want to pray for our prime minister. You know, um, the Bible says to pray for our leaders, pray for our government, you know, that we may lead a peaceable life. You know, and I truly believe uh, that if we start praying, God, take them out of office. Those are witchcraft prayers. Because the Bible says that God appoints governments. You know, one of my spiritual fathers always says this. He says, a nation gets the government it deserves. So it's a wake-up call, right? So right now our prime minister, as much as, you know, there's a difference between praying against a human being versus praying against their policies, right? So when I say this, when I say that I love our prime minister, I love the individual, I don't like his government, I don't like his policies. I don't endorse them. I think they're terrible. I think they're demonic. However, the individual Jesus died for. And he is being manipulated, coerced by demons. He needs grace. He needs to experience the goodness of God. Yes, he needs to be confronted with the word of God. Absolutely. He needs to be confronted up 100%. But it's the goodness of God that leads us to repentance. Right? And from there... We experience the fear of the Lord. From there, we experience everything else. You know, and right now, I'm sure you all have seen in the news, you know, his, his, uh, his wife and him are separated. You know, and one thing, I heard someone say this, and I, I laughed. I, I laughed when I first heard it, you know, and I kind of made a joke alongside with it. Then the Lord convicted me. And this person said this. He said, Sophie could separate himself from Trudeau. Too bad we can't. At first, I laughed. You know, I was like, yeah, that's kind of true. You know? But then the Holy Spirit convicted me. And he said, John, he says, covenant is ordained by me. He says, the covenant of marriage, it was my idea whether someone is righteous or unrighteous. It's still a covenant done before me. And then, of course, there's everything else that goes alongside with that. And the Lord's beginning to speak to me. He says, says, I have a heart of compassion towards his marriage. He says, I have a heart of compassion towards his kids. I have a heart of compassion towards the individual. God can still be compassionate uh, and angry with what you do, 
but still be compassionate towards you as an individual, right? Am I saying that Trudeau's going to escape judgment? In the, in the, no. If he doesn't give his life to Jesus, then no. Absolutely not. Like anyone else. However, I do believe we need to pray for him. Because right now, in, this, in a moment of vulnerability, if the church doesn't rise up to pray for our national leaders in moments of, vulner, of personal vulnerability, we lose all authority in our nation. We lose authority in our nation. You know, I heard one intercessor, I think it was, uh, I think it was Lou Engle, end up saying this. You know, he ended up saying that it, uh, complaining is a devil's intercession. So we could complain about our nation and about our leaders, or we could pray and change it and do something. Does that make sense? Did I lay off groundwork there? Yeah, you guys are okay. So, Father, I thank you for the nation that we live in, Father. I thank you, Lord God, that our nation is founded upon your kingdom principles, Lord. That even in our parliament building, there's scriptures written throughout, Father. But we want to see a restoration of your kingdom, Lord, of your government in our nation. Whether it's through this current prime minister or a different prime minister. Lord, I pray right now that your government would be established in our land. And Lord, we lift up our prime minister to you right now, Lord. We lift up this marriage to you right now. Father, I pray that you would heal hearts right now. You would heal their hearts. You would heal their children's hearts, Father. You would guard their hearts, Lord God. And that you would show them your goodness. You would show them the severity of what they have done in this nation. But Lord, you would show them your goodness so that they would have a foundation and a basis for repentance. So I thank you right now for a touch of heaven over that family's life, Lord. That their kids are innocent, Lord God, in this. Their kids are innocent, Father, but yet they suffer the pain of a broken relationship. So I pray right now for a restoration, Father God. I pray for healing, Lord. I pray you would guard those three kids' hearts, Lord God. That you would show them your goodness. You would encounter them in dreams, Lord. You would encounter them with visions. You would send messengers, flames of fire to them, Lord. To show them the goodness of the living God. That they would come into repentance and understand who you are, Lord. In Jesus' mighty name. Lord, we thank you for peace in this nation. Peace within our parliament building, Lord. Father, I thank you. Lord, I pray that our government would operate with the wisdom of the Lord and the fear of the Lord. That there be hearts changes, Lord. Posture changes, Father. In Jesus' name, as our cabinet and our government right now, everything seems to be a little bit messed up in turmoil. I thank you, Lord, that this creates opportunity for you to move, for darkness to be seen, Lord, because light shines brightly in our Capitol building. In Jesus' mighty name. And Lord, we declare that Canada shall be saved. Come on, say that together. Canada shall be saved in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. And what I want to do with the remaining time that we have is I want to pray for you guys. You know, the, the, the Bible says that the prayer of faith will save the sick. The prayer of faith will save the sick. Now, when we understand the nature of Christ, that it's his desire to heal. You know, when Isaiah, Isaiah 53, when he prophesies of the death of the Messiah, when he prophesies salvation, in the same breath, he prophesies healing. Isn't that amazing? In the same breath, he prophesies, in the same thought, the same prophetic word, he prophesies healing and he prophesies deliverance of, or, or salvation. 
God puts a value on healing. And did you know the same faith that's required for you to get healed is the same faith that's required for you to get saved. The same faith that's required for you to get saved is the same faith that's required for you to get financial breakthrough. The same faith that's required for you to get financial breakthrough is the same faith that's required for you to come into proper alignment with the kingdom of God. The same faith. It's all the same. It's all the same. It's just, can we align our spirits with that revelation, with that fact that it's Jesus Christ, the hope of glory in us, doing it. It's God's nature, it's his character to bless his children. Does he correct? Does he reprimand? Absolutely he does because he's a good dad. But it's his good pleasure to give us the kingdom. Oh, it's so good. He's so good. It's his good pleasure to give us the kingdom. So what we're going to do is we're going to pray the prayer of faith together. Maybe if you're sitting here and you're saying, well, John, I'm having a really hard time, you know, and, and getting myself aligned and actually getting to myself to this place where faith can actually produce something. Or maybe you've stood in faith for so long that your hope's been deferred. You know, it says, the Bible says, I hope deferred makes the heart sick. Well, I have good news for you. I have enough faith for you and I. Christ in me is big enough for the both of us. Come on. Christ in your neighbor is big enough for the both of you. Come on. So we're just, let's just tie our faith together. Let's tie our faith together. Let's believe God for miracles this morning. Amen? Awesome. What's going to happen is, is I'm just going to pray the prayer of faith with you guys. And if you need a miracle, I want you to stand up right now. I want you to take a step of faith and just stand up if you need God to heal your body for something. doesn't matter how big or how small it is. God wants to touch you. That's way too many of you. That's okay. God can touch you. Thank you, Lord. So after we're just going to pray the prayer together. And if, you're, if you don't need a miracle, just release your faith to your neighbors. And after we finish praying, I want to check your bodies. I want you to do something you could not normally do. If you had back pain, I want you to bend over and see if you can touch your toes. If you had shoulder pain or you have a little bit of mobility, move your shoulders around and check. If you are deaf, check to see if you're hearing different. If, you're, if you have glasses even, take your glasses off and see if you're seeing better. That's something we don't always think about for that God wants to heal. You know, the lie of old age is that one of the greatest tactics of the enemy. Or wear and tear. Come on, we have a biblical precedence that that's a lie. It says of Moses, it says, His eyesight never grew dim and his strength never failed. Come on. If God can do it for Moses, he can do it for us. Old age, Come on. We're living in the renewed love of Jesus day by day. So we're going to pray. And after we pray, you guys are going to move. Amen. So Father, I thank you right now in Jesus' name. Lord, you said the prayer of faith will heal the sick. So Lord, right now in Jesus' name. Lord, by faith, Lord, I curse every disease in this place right now. I curse every pain right now in Jesus' name. I curse every trauma right now in Jesus' name. Anything that is not aligned to the will of God, anything that is contrary to the lashes that Jesus took for the payment of our healing, Father, I curse it by the blood of the Lamb. I thank you, Lord, right now for a complete and total restoration in bodies, for that healing anointing to be activated right now. I command joints to be loosened. I curse 
arthritis by the blood of the lamb. I curse every cancerous cell and I command you to shrink, shrivel, and die in Jesus' mighty name. I thank you, Lord, that you're healing. There's someone right now, I feel like arthritis is getting healed in the hands right now in Jesus' name. If that's you, just take it by faith. Lord, I curse all pain. I command it to disappear. I take authority over every unclean and spirit of infirmity. I curse you by the blood of the Lamb. And I command you to let go of God's children right now. In Jesus' name. Every unclean spirit. You must go right now by order and decree of the King Jesus. I thank you, Lord, for a complete restoration right now, Lord. For a healing and health, Lord, to be established in your body. In Jesus' mighty name. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Start moving your bodies around right now. Check. If you check once and the pain is still there, check again. Check a third time. Check a fourth time if you have to. But begin to move around in Jesus' name. Begin to check. Some of you start marking, notice like, oh, it's 5% better. It's 10% better. 20, 40, 50, 60% better. Start thanking God for the beginning of the miracle and keep on checking and keep on moving because it's going to get better and better and better and better. Don't disengage with this because there's an anointing right here to heal the sick. There's an anointing here to heal the sick. So Lord, I thank you in Jesus' name for restoration to take place, Lord. Restoration taking place, Father, right now. In Jesus' name, thank you, Lord. Now, I should be seeing more people moving. I'm seeing like four of you. Come on, check your bodies. If, there's a, if you need to go to the washroom to check, go to the washroom and check. But wave at me, you're saying pain is leaving my body right now. There's pain is leaving right now, wave at me. You got over here, bless you, you got over here. Over here. Well, anyone else? Come on, just wave at me. Maybe it's 5%, 10%. Over there in the back. Over here. Praise God. Over there. Praise God. Who else? Over here. Praise God. Over there. Okay. I'm going to ask you guys to be a little bold. Is that okay? I'm going to ask some of you guys just to come and share. Give a testimony of what's happening. Come on. Right? The Bible says that the righteous are as bold as a lion. Right? You are the righteousness of God. So maybe... Maybe it's not completely gone. Maybe it is completely gone. But whatever it is, I want to come and just give glory to Jesus. I'm going to wait for you guys right here. It's either you're being shy or you lied to me. Which one is it? If it's shyness, just get rid of it in Jesus' name. Come on. What happened? I've been struggling with this pain in my shoulders. I went and I had ultrasound and x-rays done. And uh, the ultrasound showed that I had tendonitis in both my shoulders. And I have a tear in my left shoulder. And I've been crying. I've been crying and asking the Lord just to take this pain away from me. Pain in my neck and my shoulders, and it's, it's gone. It's gone. Come on. Praise the Lord. Come on, Jesus. Come on. Come on up here. What happened? What happened with you? I've, I've had a pain in my shoulder for the last four years. For four, four years. Constantly going to uh, get, like, massage and whatever. I have that range of motion back all the way. Come on, there's no more pain. Come on, just full range of motion now. Come on, isn't Jesus good? Jesus! Come on. Thank you, Lord. But hey, I, I see you preaching the gospel. I see you on the streets. I see you praying for people. And I saw you actually, uh, as you're witnessing the people and you're praying for them, I saw chains being broken off of people. I see you delivering people out of addictions. I see delivering people out of addictions. Get some ushers up here. Yeah, yeah, you guys in the back. 
Thank you, Lord. So I, I just see that this, God's going to release this compassion on inside of you. It's going to release a gift of faith that you've never seen before. So, Father, I thank you in Jesus' name for a fresh touch, a fresh anointing right now for miracles, signs, and wonders. In Jesus. Is there, is there a, a digestive thing that you're dealing with as well? Does that make sense? Is there like a food intolerance or? Does, you have scoliosis. Okay. Bend over. Is there, is there pain or anything like that normally with scoliosis? Would you normally? Oh, say that again. I haven't been able to do that. You haven't been able to do that. Do it again. Come on. Isn't Jesus good? Come on. So awesome. Thank you, Lord. It's, um, is there, so with, the, with that digestive issue, something that in your immediate family that you know of, your wife, do you have? Come on up here. You know, the Bible says that we're, when we're married, we're one flesh. So it's only a prophesy to one, but it's meant for the other. Come on up here. So you have a food intolerance or, or a digestive issue? Give me your hand. Do you believe God wants to heal you? Do you believe God wants to heal you? No, no, heal, heal. God wants to heal you, give you long life and prosper you. Do you believe you can? Yeah, you can. Thank you, Lord, right now in Jesus' name. Father, I curse all food intolerances and digestive issues. Lord, I declare that she'll be able to eat whatever she wants, as much of it as she wants, and however often she wants in Jesus' mighty name. Thank you, Lord, for a fresh touch from heaven. Is there... Um, I keep on seeing like something with like the like this area, the jaw. Is that, you have TMJ. Put your hand on your jaw for me, Father. I curse TMJ by the blood of Lamb right now. Ha 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 ha! Ah, Jesus, Lord, break it all off right now, in Jesus' mighty. Ooh, shut the. I'm telling you guys, it's a season of breakthrough for you guys. I feel the Lord saying this. There's, I feel like there's a, there's a financial restitution coming for you. I don't know if there's something of a business deal or something has kind of gone south or it's like didn't quite happen the way you thought it would. But I heard the Lord saying this, that has not gone beyond me. I'm aware of it. And my plans will, make, will, will rectify it. You will regain everything that was lost and then more. Because it says, I own the cattle on a thousand hills and I own the hills as well. So Lord, I thank you right now for fresh. Thank you, Lord. And as I see old relationships being healed. I see old relationships that I've wounded, kind of like for a season that had to be a part of me. I feel like God's saying like he's healing and there's people who are going to come into faith because of you. Old relationships are going to come into faith because of you. People that almost like that walked, does that make sense? Yeah, so Lord, I thank you right now for souls, for relationships, Lord, for these friends and family, Lord, God, have walked away from you, Lord, to come into saving knowledge of Jesus Christ because of his life. In Jesus' mighty name. And as well, I keep on uh, uh, with the knees. Is that with the knee issues? Your mother. Yeah. Is your mom here? Mom, are you here? She's not. What's your mom's name? Patricia. I'm going to say Patricia. Father, we thank you for Patricia. Lord, whatever's going on with her knees, we command healing. And we just say, let the Holy Ghost oil flow through those knees. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Isn't it fun? Awesome. Bless you guys. Isn't Jesus good? Come on, bless you guys. Sit down, roll around, lay down, do whatever you want to do. Anyone else getting healed right now? Come on. Anyone else? Come on up. We, got a, we still got a little bit of time. We're, we'll let you out on time for once. Come on up here. Come on. 
Come on up here. Come on, come on, ride on up. Don't be shy. I won't bite too hard. No, just kidding. <laughs> what happened? Um, I have disintegrating discs in my lower back, and so it's constant pain, but the pain is easing off. It's not gone, but it's easing off. You have disintegrated discs in your lower back, and the pain is easing off. How much percentage do you think? Maybe 30, 40%. 30, 40%. Okay, guys, I have a question for you. How much did Jesus die? Was he mainly dead, mostly dead, or fully dead? He was fully dead, right? Isaiah prophesied, says he will be marred beyond recognition. The rabbis will teach, saying that even his own mother could not recognize him because of the beating he took for you and I. So, Jesus, we thank you. Give me your hand. Well, we thank you for 30, 40%. But Jesus, you paid for 100%. So Lord, we wanna see 100% restoration in this spine. We command a creative miracle. Ooh. Huh. Heal those vertebrae right now. Recreate them, Jesus. Just pop them in there. And loosen up the muscles in Jesus' mighty name. Move around now. Is it more than 30, 40%? It's 60. That's not good enough. What, Jesus, did Jesus die 60% on the cross? No, he wasn't mainly dead, fully. He was fully dead. <laughs> Lord, we thank you for 60%. I want you to repeat this with me. Say, Jesus, thank you for 60%. But you paid for 100%. So I want 100%. In Jesus' name. Check it again. Ninety? That's good. It's getting up there. Come on, just keep on thanking him. Just keep on thanking him. Just say, Jesus, thank you for ninety, but you paid for one hundred. Come on, what's, what's happening here? Please. <laughs> so when you called out um, arthritis, um, I damaged my left knee um, and went through the whole process of X-rays and whatever, and they said I had a torn tendon. So I've been contending. And uh, so when you were calling out um, arthritis and knee issues or whatever, I just got up out of my seat and I walked out through the back door and just tested it out. And I really feel like it's, yeah, there's a change. The change, come on. So a torn, x-rays show there's a torn tendon, right? Now how, now how much percentage better do you think it is? Probably 70 or 80%. You know what to do. You know what to do, right? Come on, Jesus, we thank you for 70. Thank you for 70%, but you paid for 100. Oh, whew, whew. Ha. check it again. Ha, ha. Oh, Jesus. Jesus. Is it more than 70? Oh, he says, oh, yes. Come on, give the Lord glory. Come on, who else? Come on up here. Let's, come on. Come on up here. All right, we got, we got a lineup. We just, just bear with us. I just want to give all the glory to Jesus. Can we just take five minutes? I mean, Pastor Clive went at least 20 minutes over. I'm asking for five minutes over. God, come on. I'm, give a little... I'd like to ask Jesus to remove all the pain from the people that I physically hurt and to forgive me. What's the pain from people you physically hurt? Father, we thank you right now in Jesus. What's your name, brother? Vern, you know, Jesus said, if you ask him to forgive you, he'll remove your sins as far as the east or from the west. You're working. Oh, no, no, no. It's not I'm working on it. Jesus will work on it. 
Jesus is doing it. We'll work together. Jesus already did it. You ever, have you ever given your life to Jesus before? No, do you want to? My name's Vern. Vern? Yeah, do you want to give your life to Jesus, Vern? Yeah. Do you want to give your life to Jesus? Yes. Yeah? Guys, let's just start your hands up towards Vern. He wants, he's, can I share what you shared with me? Sure. Yeah, he's, he's currently in AA, you know, and he's saying that AA and God go hand in hand together. Praise Jesus. They sure do. He wants to give his life to Jesus. He's never given his life to Jesus before. Come on. You know what the Bible says, Vern? There's a one person gives his life to Jesus. The angels celebrate much more than 99 Christians celebrating. Come on! Jesus! Come on. Wait, don't go anywhere. Okay, so I want to pray this prayer with If you're here and you've never given your life to Jesus, I want to pray this prayer with you. If you've never given your life to Jesus, I want you to pray this prayer with me. So Vern, I want you to pray this with me and as well as everyone here in this room. Say, Jesus, I believe you died on the cross. I believe you're raised from the dead. I help, I, uh, I want, uh, shout out, bah, 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 bah. <laughs> thank you, Jesus. Lord, I confess you as my Lord and Savior. Help me to live for you. Forgive me of my sins. In Jesus' name. And fill me with your love. In Jesus' name. Well, welcome to the family. Don't go too far. I want to talk to you afterwards. Come on. Is there anyone else here? That's your first time you prayed that prayer. Just wave at me. If you say that's the first time you prayed that prayer. I'm not going to ask you to come in front of everyone, but I am going to ask you to come and talk to me privately afterwards. Is there anyone else? Just wave. Or maybe you prayed that prayer a long time ago and, and, and you lost its meaning. Was that, was Vern the only one? Over here? Praise God. Just one. Anyone else? Over there, way in the back. Praise God. Anyone else? I'm, I'm, I'm not waiting for pressure. I just want to make sure that I give you opportunity because I want to identify who you are because I want to get to know you and pray for you and you know, give you, put some material into your hands. Awesome. Can we give the Lord a shout of praise one more time? Come on. Thank you, Jesus. So good. Okay. Come on up. Come on up. Quick, quick, quick. One after another. We'll just take these testimonies and then we'll dismiss you guys. Hi. I came with a pain in my left hip. That's has been happening like for the last month and it's like 90% better. 90% because you weren't able to bend your hip? Um, just pain. I always have. Oh, just pain here and now the pain's gone. Yeah. Come on, praise God. And your, your shoulder? My shoulder also was painful. Now it's... Come on, you wrote no problem. Come on, no pain. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, you're the healer, the king of kings. Come on up. Come on, what's happening here? Hey, so, um, yeah, I came in, I had um, a uh, herniated disc in my spine, so bulging disc, and uh, it's been going on for months and months, um, and um, just right about when you mentioned that we're going to be praying for healing, I started, like, feeling something stirring up, and uh, when we prayed, I, uh, I did the range of motion test, and I wasn't able to bend backwards before without, like, um, pain in my spine, and, like, tingling you, my legs. You weren't able to bend backwards. You weren't able to do that before. Not without pain. And now there's no pain? Come on. Jesus is so good. Come on, Lord. Come on, come on. Next one up. Come on up. Come on up. What, what, what happened? 
Um, I had some pain in my hip and it's gone. And my eight-year-old, he just said, Mom, my shoulder's healed. You have to go up and tell them. <laughs> oh, come on. So shoulders and hips. Thank you, Father, Lord, for full restoration over every single thing in Jesus' name. Oh. God blessed us with a new car this trip. He provided everything for my son to go to Bible camp. And on the way back, mechanic looked at my car and said, you can't drive this, but I got a better car for you. So God gave us a better car. Come on, come on, Jesus, come on. What's going on here? Um, I, I've had cancer surgery and I lost half my tongue. And I've had two surgeries removed cancer in my neck. And the last week, I lost the movement of my tongue. And I've had two anxiety and pain all the way down my neck. And I just started moving every part of my, 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 my neck. Is, is the pain in the neck still there? Or is it good? 90% gone, is that what you said? It's totally, it's not there at the moment. So you had surgery where your tongue, part of your tongue was removed. There's pain in your neck in your jaw. Half the tongue. The operations, both sides, twice, and the pain is gone now. A third like I said, but um, I've just felt pain in my jaw. It was the terms there. My, I have no pain in my jaw. No pain in the jaw. Come on. Well, so goes, praise God for the beginnings of the miracle. How many believe that God could do creative miracles? Come on. Come on, guys. That was weak. How many of you guys believe God could do creative miracles? Come on. Come on. So, Father, we thank you right now. Lord, he can't preach without a tongue. Lord, I thank you for a brand new tongue in Jesus' mighty name, Lord. Lord, we thank you for the beginning of the miracle. But God, I know you have more. You got body parts in heaven, Lord. So we thank you, Holy Spirit. And we ask you, Father, to regrow what man has taken away. What the devil's meant for evil, Lord, you will turn around for good in Jesus' mighty name, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for brand new body parts in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Lord, thank you. Ha ha. Praise Jesus. Come on. Thank you, Lord. Here, last one. I've had uh, dual hernias for a long time and I've been wearing a belt, but the belt hasn't been doing anything. And yesterday I was reading the Bible. I don't have the belt on today. Come on. Come on, Jesus. So good. So good. Thank you, Lord. Oh, isn't Jesus good? Come on, Jesus is so good. I can't get over the goodness of Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Father, you are so magnificent. You are wonderful, Lord. Father, we want to see your presence, Lord, the glory of the Lord and the land of the living Father. We say, God, pour out your spirit, pour out your power, Father. More, more, God. A little bit won't do us, Jesus. We must see an outpouring. We must see an outpouring of your presence, Jesus. Lord, we want more of who you are, Jesus. Christ in us, the hope of glory. Jesus! 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 Hey! Thank you, Lord. Thank you.
you, Lord. Oh. Is this Sunday morning or a revival meeting? Come on. Oh. Oh. Man. Part of me wishes it was Friday night so I could keep on going. But it's... Oh, just give me a second to see if Jesus got anything else for us that he wants me to do. Can we just pray one last time for healing? Is that, is that okay? If you, uh, is that okay? Father, I thank you. If you hear, uh, here's one thing I love about Jesus. He loves to show off for his children. He loves showing off for his children. Oh. How many of you fathers like showing off for your kids? Come on, how much more does Papa in heaven like showing off for us? He says to him who's able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think of according to glory that works in us, or power that works in us. Do you remember when Jesus was raised from the dead? I mean, I don't remember, but I read about it. I wasn't there. But God had to raise one man from the dead, Jesus. But Matthew tells us, he says that many graves were open and many walked out. Ooh, you know the word many literally means majority. God cleared out the graveyard. He had to raise one. And he says, nah, I'm gonna release enough power for whoever wants it, they could take it. Come on. So if you're here and you need a miracle and you haven't received it, just take it. When God releases an anointing for one, he releases more than enough for everyone else who wants it. So Father, right now, I thank God, I thank you so much for your spirit moving in our midst, Lord God. That you stretched out your hand and you healed, Lord, and you demonstrated your goodness. So Father, we ask you, Lord, to continue stretching out your hand, to continue healing, Lord. And I command every demonic influence to be broken right now in Jesus' name. Every sickness to go. Every disease, go. Every lump to shrink. Every uh, growth to dissolve. Skin conditions to be healed right now in Jesus' name. Scars to disappear in Jesus' name. Scar tissue to disappear in Jesus' name. I feel like this is a word for someone. I'm not going to ask you to come forward on this, but just to increase your faith on something. I was preaching in this camp, this youth camp in Saskatchewan a couple years ago, and there's this young girl. She had lashes, slashes all over her arms from self-harm. And she would always wear these long sleeve shirts because she was embarrassed about it, you know, and she was still struggling with it a little bit. And she had all these scars. And then as we were praying, just the way we are now, she comes up to me, tears with her friend. She pulls up her sleeves and she says, John, look, look, look. She kept on repeating, look, look, look. And I'm looking and I just see a normal arm. And her friend, who's also crying, she says, John, you don't get it. She had over a hundred scars on her arms from self-harm. She said, we watched them disappear. We watched them as one by one were taken away. One by one, they watched the scar disappear. Just, just disappear. Like the hand of God reached down and went, one, 
after the other, after the other, after the other. God could do, did it then, he could do it now. So Father, I thank you that you're relieving the shame of self-harm right now. In Jesus' name, Lord. And Father, I curse all suicidal tendencies, all self-harm tendencies, in Jesus' name. And Lord, we declare, whom the Son sets free is free indeed. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Oh, bless you guys. Bless you guys. Bless you guys. Uh, it was a little bit longer than five minutes, but I won't ask for forgiveness because I don't think, huh, I don't think it's needed. But, uh, Thank you, Lord. I pray that you move forward with the wisdom of Solomon, the intimacy of Abraham, and the courage of Joshua, and the heart of David. In Jesus' name. Awesome. Be blessed.